Triple H FM Sports in association with Atlas Chartered Accountants. The Post, Hornsby RSL and ISC Sports welcomes you to Splinters, your no-holds-barred sports podcast. And now here's your host, the Raging Bull, Anthony Caruso. Good evening and welcome to Splinters, the bench podcast on Triple H 100.1 FM, streaming on the web at www.triplehfm.com.au and available to download at all good podcast sites. We do it all for Atlas Chartered Accountants, The Post, The Hornsby RSL, ISC Sports and Business Plaza. Anthony the Bull Caruso with you as we continue our wrap-up of the season of professional football for 2021-22. We had the English Premier League last week. This week, we will be covering the rest of Europe. And then to finish off our three parts of this, we will then next week cover the A-League final series. Joining me tonight, as we always do whenever we talk football, is our chief footballing correspondent, the spicy chorizo, Dom Rizzuto. Good evening to you. Good evening, Caruso. Good evening, listeners. Good to be here once again talking football. Got plenty to get through once again across the continent. Yes, we do cover the Premier League week in, week out here on Triple H, but we do love our European football outside of the UK, and we've got plenty to go through based on the top five leagues and European competitions that have run and gone in 2021 and 2022. And not only that as well, but this is going to be particular significance the performances of everyone within these European competitions because of course people tend to forget that there is actually a World Cup coming at the end of the year. Absolutely it's uh, the uh, infamous Qatar 2022 World Cup. Uh, The teams uh, are pretty much finalized obviously Australia has their game coming up as well which I know will be watching with bated breath their first match um, in their qualification through to the World Cup. But it's uh, once again, it's always exciting in a World Cup year. There's also um, uh, a women's Euros on as well. Uh, so the football doesn't stop, um, despite uh, the the weather change um, over in Europe. Absolutely. Well, plenty of competitions to get through, lots of issues to discuss, and a bit of a sneak peek as to what could be happening when we come to World Cup time. With that, the referee's out in the middle. Martin Tyler is in the box. We love Martin Tyler here on Triple H Sports. And we are all set for play. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Splinters. I'm going to kick things off here tonight, Dom, with probably the biggest league outside of the UK right around the world. It is the Spanish La Liga. And after quite a few years of turmoil, we have seen, I guess, to a certain extent, parity restored. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Once again, uh, the kings of Spain, Real Madrid, reigned supreme uh, against their rivals. The return of Carlo Ancelotti bearing the fruit once again, and obviously not just in Spain, but across Europe in general when we get to that a little bit later on. And following them, you know, a little bit further behind, some would say, uh, which is not usually the case in Barcelona, and uh, the rest uh, sort of falling into order after that. It is very circa... 2015, 2016 kind of looking table, isn't it, um, in in this format. But once again, another enthralling uh, year in Spain um, who have somewhat gone through a bit of an identity crisis in the last couple of years with the loss of Cristiano Ronaldo and Lionel Messi uh, to, in terms of the player ranks and trying to figure out uh, 
what they do next in terms of uh, a selling point and keeping themselves up there as a top-tier competition alongside the Premier League, which obviously is now running away in terms of a popularity contest based on the finances that are in and around every club that is in that particular league. But once again, it was pretty close all the way down from, you know, Barcelona in second to Valencia in ninth. So, you know, La Liga continues to provide excitement and it did that again this season. One of the fascinating things we saw from this was Barcelona, you know, after their poor start, managed to scramble second place. But this is a club that's, you know, that are in a world of hurt at the moment as they try to rebuild from what could only be described as the near financial collapse of the club, which forced them to really sell off a lot of their players. They did manage to finish second place in the end, but it's not the Barcelona we're used to. It's not the tiki-taka masters that we've we've seen all those years before. This is going to have to be a brand new Barcelona that comes forward. Well, look, they obviously had a poor start. Um, they eventually removed, uh, I believe it was Ronald Koeman, and brought in Xavi um, to uh, bring back that Barcelona identity, a player who obviously grew up in Spain, played football for Barcelona from a very, very young age all the way through to uh, the first grade team and won multiple trophies with Barcelona during his time on the field. They were better when he came in and they were wise with their signings in the winter window, um, picked some players on a on a budget cost, particularly picking up some Premier League outcasts with Ferran Torres and Pierre uh, Aubameyang, Emmerich Aubameyang, and they, you know, produced some really decent goals for them when needed, which saw them kind of get back towards that, uh, let's say, um, dominance that they should usually have in La Liga. Not quite there yet, obviously, but uh, it was improvements. So obviously they had to eat a bit of humble pie and play in the Europa League uh, for the first time in, I think, something like 16 years, but they didn't make that round of 16 in the Champions League. And then they obviously didn't care too much about the second tier European competition and bowed out of that too and focused on La Liga. It'll be an interesting season for Barcelona. They've obviously got their eyes on some players and like you said, it'll be a big rebuild for them. And I, But I still think that they hold a pretty big stature in the world and they'll be able to sign some elite players. And once again, I think get back to relying on that that La Masia Academy and they've got four or five of the best young players in the world in their starting 11 at the moment. So it may just need some patience from a fan base point of view in terms of their success, but I have no doubt that it'll come uh, sooner rather than later for them when those players start to get to their peak years. So no surprises with the um, the promotions and relegation. Alaves and Levante getting relegated. Granada suffering the drop behind Cadiz, Mallorca and Getafe. Um, no surprise in those regards. Iba, Almira and Valladolid are going up at this stage. There's still quite a few games left to play in in the Seconda Liga in the competition. And to finish off with the La Liga, the Golden Boot, and everyone, this has been the one of the white-hot players of the competition, Karin Benzema, and it really does show that why France are going into the next World Cup as 
the favourites, considering that one of their masterful strikers isn't even playing in league earn. Well, look, Karim Benzema had a unbelievable season, somewhat of a fine wine kind of season. We know he's an excellent striker, but really this season proved to be the best player in the world. He dragged that Real Madrid team through to a Champions League final, put away 27 goals in La Liga. He was just on another level um, this season and will obviously be um, brought right back into that French squad, even though um, he's been out of it for so long due to, um, obviously, his uh, altercations <laughs> with the, the blackmailing saga uh, with uh, Mattia Valbuena back in the day. I think that uh, particular bygone has finally been bygone and he'll be brought back and he'll continue to produce goals for Real Madrid uh, as the seasons roll on. The most assists going to Osma Os. Osmane Dembele for Barcelona with 13 assists. And one to mention as well, the Zamora Trophy goes to the goalkeeper of the year, not necessarily the most clean sheet, but actually goes to the goalkeeper with the most saves per games. Yassine Bounour from Sevilla, a great season from the young goalkeeper. Yeah, he had an excellent season and he contributed to their success, um, not just in La Liga this year, but also in the Champions, Champions League too in which uh, Sevilla almost found themselves in an unlikely final, um, but were bested by Liverpool uh, across two legs in the end. Uh, but uh, it's got, you know, when you've got a good keeper and a keeper you can rely on, it makes the world a difference. The confidence in your team is just next level. And uh, he'll prove to be, I think, a goalkeeper who it will be on the radars of some of the biggest teams in the world in the next season or two. We now move on to Ligue 1 in, from France. And really, no surprise that Paris Saint-Germain have taken it out with what can only be described as one of the most ridiculously stacked teams in Europe. Yeah, it's 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 hard to remain excited about Ligue 1 with this monopoly that Paris Saint-Germain has over the rest of the league you know, lost four games all season. And that was probably at the start when it was a little bit, uh, I would say, congested in that team in terms of who was going to play. And then Messi came in, obviously, and probably changed the format a little bit. And he had to get his um, feet uh, back on the ground again and loving football after he had to move on from Barcelona. It didn't obviously hinder them at all in the long term. They sailed away. Uh, with the win. Um, it, you know, what I like to see, though, is a little bit further down the, the ladder, the likes of Marseille uh, coming back into it and uh, being one of the dominant forces in uh, League One again. And Monaco, who haven't been up there in quite some time after their uh, little um, sort of flutter with fame back when they were bought by those that consortium, which eventually went under. But they have come back up to the top of the... Uh, uh, league on again, and they're in that Champions League place. And, you know, they were there a few seasons ago when they had the likes of Mbappe and Bernardo Silva in that team. But uh, fell away when they lost those, but they seem to be back up there, which is great to see. I mean, probably the most exciting moment of this entire season, and probably uh, also the most scary, 
is uh, the relegation of Saint Etienne. And I don't know if you saw that ball, but uh, when they did eventually get relegated and in their qualification um, playoff, um, they uh, had fans storm the pitch with the flares and it was full on riots. It was uh, really insane, uh, the scenes in uh, in Centennial when uh, they did get relegated. Yeah, and this is I guess you can understand why. This is a club that's developed a reputation for historical performances within Europe. Of course, they have made Champions League slash European Cup finals previously. So to see Santatian go down the way they have is um and the way the fans have sort of behaved afterwards is quite simply an embarrassment. They will of course be replaced along with Mets and the other big club to go down in Bordeaux. Yeah, Bordeaux, obviously, a for some of us here, we're one of the mainstays of uh, French football in terms of Champions League and top four, but I know I've just fell away over time and haven't been able to produce the results of uh, 10, 15 years ago and are going down. Um, really a big shame to see because they are a historic club in Ligue 1, but uh, maybe a sign of the times that they just aren't... Uh, in the same position as they once were. No surprise in terms of who the best the um, Premier plays in the competition. Kylian Mbappe, fresh off his contract re-signing, topping the golden boot, topping the, the most assists as well. Yeah, he was uh, again on another level this year. And I think he was brought to life even more with the inclusion of Lionel Messi, um, being that now he can just be that out-and-out striker, that out-and-out speed and a counter-attacking weapon and he can allow, you know, and not have to sort of control the game like Messi does. It allowed him to just be so prolific once again. Big shout-out to uh, Wissam Ben Yedda again, who continuously puts in huge numbers in League One um, for whoever he plays for. And he's done it again this year for Monaco, so big uh, tops to him. Uh, and then, obviously, most clean sheets this year went to Walter Benitez uh, from Nice. We move on next to the Italian Serie A. And, Dom, there's been a bit of a renaissance in Italy. Yeah, there has. I mean, somewhat uh, in the last couple of years, the competition has become very competitive from top to bottom. You know, between first and eighth, all of those teams really could be pushing for the title this year. Now, I know AC Milan, the eventual winners, and we'll talk about them in a second, did run away with it a little bit in the end, but but they were only two points clear of Inter, and then only a further eight, seven points back were Napoli, and then there was a bit of a drop down from there. But, you know, had some of the other teams been a bit more competitive throughout the year, I, I tell you what, anyone's game in Italy at the moment, and uh, all it's going to take is a couple of signings uh, from the teams below to to even out the playing field uh, to the two uh, Milan-based clubs. And all of a sudden, we're going to have a incredibly tight competition for years to come. Absolutely. And, I mean, it's the first competition in Scudetto in 19 years. And it's no surprise that it's the return of Zlatan Ibrahimovic that has brought about AC Milan returning to the top 
of the Serie A. Yeah, and he didn't even play half the season as well. He was injured for a lot of it. But when he was on, he obviously made them a completely different team in terms of their confidence. And uh, you know that uh, you know when he when he when he goes to places, he. He he drives excellence, and uh, and he's gotten that finally out of AC Milan. Obviously, he did come back a year or so ago, and finally it's clicked into gear. And I think, as you mentioned, just him being in the side just gives all of those players in the squad a renewed sense of confidence, which uh, finally saw them over the line. And they've done it against an, an internazionale team that really had been shaping to take the mantelpiece of the Kings of Italy away from Juventus following what has been a downward trajectory over the last couple of years. They were in that window where they really should have won at least one Champions League, firstly under um, Allegri and then a couple of other managers that have followed since then and then during the reign of Cristiano Ronaldo at the club. But it has come to nothing. There's been no renewal. And, yeah, I think they should be considering themselves rather fortunate that they finished fourth. Yeah, they did in the end. And I think that was purely thanks to the two uh, Rome-based clubs below them who just, again, failed for consistency in that middle part of the season. And Juventus obviously brought in um, Vlahovic, who, who made a difference for them up front where they were really struggling Um at the time, and you, you have a look at uh, um, the goals for, and that explains a lot when Lazio below them scored 77 goals um, this term to Juventus' 57. But in turn, Juventus kept out 37 goals, kept only conceded, excuse me, conceded 37 goals, and Lazio conceded 58. And that's no surprise if you realise who was managing Lazio in Luciano Spalletti, um, who does not care about defending, which is very un-Italian um, in some respects. Um, but yeah, Juventus obviously have fallen on their sword a little bit this season. It was, you know, it was coming over the last couple of years. And I think Ronaldo painted over a lot of cracks in that Juve side. And you you know better than anyone else, Ball, that they've also been relying on the excellency of Giorgio Chiellini and Leonardo Bonucci for a very long time and Buffon in before that as well. The mainstays are starting to get older or starting to leave. And this year they just didn't have it in them, I think, to take them further up the table. But I'm sure the biggest club in Italy will get some helping hands once again and they'll be able to bring in some top-tier talent to get them back up to the top of the table once again in the near future. Well, of, course, of course, the big announcement there is um, Giorgio Chiellini announcing his departure from Juventus and I think it's a it's a term well spent and his legacy will forever be held as probably one of the best defenders in the world and indeed of his generation very quickly in terms of the clubs that have uh, been relegated uh, no surprises around the, the three clubs getting relegated being um, Venezia and Genoa getting uh, getting relegated the big surprise was Sal- was Salernitana who managed to climb from 20th and last to 17th and avoid relegation within five weeks, condemning Cagliari to relegation. But then on the way up, Lecce and Cremonese, whom we've seen in the Serie A before, no surprise that they're coming back up. But Dom, 
the big story from all of Europe in terms of promotions is a tiny club from outside of Milan that will be coming up to the Serie A for the first time. Yeah, huge uh, promotion story. And there's been a couple this season. Let's not uh, shy away from this one in Italy. FC Monza, uh, a club purchased by uh, Silvio Berlusconi, uh, our favourite politician here on Triple H, uh, uh, following his sale of AC Milan um, a few seasons back have come up into the prem- sorry into the Serie A for the first time in a, in its 109 year history so that is an awesome story and i think will be everybody's second favorite team this year in the Serie A couple of mentions as well the golden boot Ciro Mobile with 27 goals a guy who just keeps producing at Serie A level but can just never do it for the national team yeah, it's an odd one, isn't it, uh, Ciro Immobile? He just, I don't know whether or not he, currently he doesn't suit Mancini's setup, which is, you know, more of a new brand of Italian football and perhaps he suits the more, uh, let's say, traditional style of Italian football in, in the Serie A and he doesn't quite, uh, can't quite copy and paste it. But there's no denying that at a domestic level, he's arguably the best striker in the competition. And with 27 goals, um, it's easy to see why. But, yeah, can't I can't put a finger on it as to why he can't convert that to uh, the Italian team. But talking about the Serie A here, and uh, his 27 uh, goals has brought Lazio back to the uh, Europa League once again. Most assists going into Domenico Berardi for Sassuolo with 14 assists. Most cleanest sheets, and should be mentioned, Mike Mainan for Milan with 17 goal sh- uh, clean sheets stepping into the space left by Gianluigi Donnarumma from his departure to PSG and he has not disgraced that jersey one bit. I mean what a find by uh, the Rosanieri. Uh I don't think anybody on the planet would have gone, "Oh, what a great signing. I know that kid, Mike uh, Mayanan." <laughs> I don't think anyone would have said that. He's just been excellent and has probably th- thrown his hat and a ring for a, for an international call-up with the French team um, for the World Cup coming up t- uh, as well. You would not see him out of place lining up potentially as an understudy to Hugo Lloris for Absolutely. that French team. So we then move on to our last competition before we take our break. And it is actually, no, I've got a couple more to go through. We've got the German Bundesliga now. And again, parity restored. Bayern Munich wins the... Um, the, the Bundesliga, and it's that man once again from the front, probably the best striker in the world. Yeah, Robert Lewandowski. And uh, obviously the big news is, is that this will be most likely his last in a uh, Bundesliga, uh, uh, sorry, excuse me, in a Bayern Munich jersey uh, after he announced that uh, he wants to move on and do a new challenge. And I think that's fair enough. And I know that Bayern have been pretty salty about... Uh, his movements, but considering what he's done for the club and performed, he's won them a Champions League. He's won them numerous titles, scored goal after goal after goal. I think he's entitled to go and uh, test his value on the open market and try something new. Obviously, the big talk is Barcelona. I'd love to see him in the Premier League or in the Serie A, where I think he'd be excellent as well. 
but with him up front, Bayern Munich have just been another breed altogether in uh, the Bundesliga, and they've once again run away with the title off the back of his work. No surprises in terms of who's come up right behind the, come up behind them in terms of Borussia Dortmund, Bayer Leverkusen, and RB Leipzig. Uh, we should make mention as well. Uh, this will be the first time in the history of the Bundesliga that they will have five teams in the Champions League. Yeah, absolutely, Caruso, with uh, Eintracht Frankfurt uh, taking out the Europa League, um, beating uh, Rangers on the penalties in the end. Great season for them in terms of getting it back into the Champions League. They didn't have a great season in uh, Germany, that's for sure, finishing 11th, but perhaps because they were focusing on both competi- well, one competition rather than the other. That's where they finish. But uh, a huge effort from them. A trophy's a trophy no matter what you win. And, uh, yeah, it'll be great to see more German teams back in the uh, Champions League in in the season to come. In terms of the teams being relegated, no surprises. Grutha Fruth and Aminina Bielfeld getting relegated, basically bouncing up and down. And Hertha Berlin have managed to avoid relegation, defeating Hamburger SV 2-1 on aggregate. But the promotion, in terms of the teams being promoted, it's a German giant who had fell, two German giants who had fallen on half time on hard times. They will be back in the Bundesliga next year. Yeah, great to see um, as well. We're having Schalke and Werder Bremen back up in the uh, Bundesliga Two teams that, as you mentioned, Caruso were the biggest alongside Bayern Munich before the, uh, I would say the, the rise of Borussia Dortmund and RB Leipzig. It was those two. You swap those two out and put the two uh, teams that are coming up in their place. That's who it was. And they really don't know what happened, but uh, they've you know taken their medicine and they've uh, done their time and they're coming straight back up. So. That'll be good for German football. It'll get eyes back on the screens uh, in the league once again and hopefully add some spice to the competition and maybe see uh, that monopoly broken with Bayern Munich at the top. Most assists from Thomas Mueller, the veteran for Bayern Munich with 18 assists. For most clean sheets, the four-way tie and some fairly familiar faces amongst those four goalkeepers. Yeah, some uh, of the best in the world when it... Uh, in Germany when it comes to the goalkeeping ranks. Uh, both, uh, um, so say all of them, um, claiming 10 clean sheets on the season. Cohen Castiles from uh, Wolfsburg, uh, Mark Flecken from Freiburg, Mamor Neuer from Bayern Munich and Robin Zentner from Mainz 05. Great to see as well that you've got a couple of teams in there that are outside Bayern Munich who uh, really uh, worked tirelessly to keep the goals to a minimum uh, this season and and work stoically on defence. And uh, based on when you've got two two or three goalkeepers that I mentioned on that list in your team, you know that you're going to have that confidence to, to play a certain way. Well, we're going to take a break, ladies and gentlemen. And when we come back, we're going to have part two of our wrap of European football for 2021-22. You are listening to Splinters, the bench podcast on Triple H 100.1 FM, streaming on the web at www.triplehfm.com.au and available for download at podcast.com and all good podcast sites. We do it all for Atlas Chartered Accountants, The Post, The Hornsby RSL, ISC Sports, 
Business Plaza. We'll be right back. It's time for the crew to catch their breath. We'll be back after this short break. Do you think the government deserves more of your hard-earned money? If not, make sure you talk to Atlas Chartered Accountants. Atlas Chartered Accountants makes sure the money you earn stays in your pocket through legal tax planning strategies, from finding that last tax deduction to tax-effective business structures for asset protection purposes so you can invest in what really matters, your family and business. Visit their website at ihatetax.com.au. Atlas Chartered Accountants. They are dedicated to you and dedicated station sponsors of Triple H 100.1 FM. Hornsby RSL Club, your perfect place to catch up with friends and family. With dining options ranging from modern Australian favourites in the courtyard, authentic Asian cuisine from Keku, or delicious wood-fired pizzas from Level 1, there is something for everyone to enjoy. Join us weekly for entertainment activities such as trivia, meat raffles, bingo and free live music, or grab some tickets to see one of our first-class entertainment acts in the showroom. Thinking of holding an event? Let our friendly events team guide you through every step to create the perfect event for any occasion. Visit our website at hornsbyrsl.com.au for further details. Hornsby RSL Club, proud sponsors of Triple H. Want to look your sporting best on and off the field? Then make sure you get kitted out with ISC Sport Teamwear. ISC Sport are Australia's leading name in custom sports uniforms with a wide range of sportswear tailored to your team's needs. 100% Australian-owned and fully customisable, ISC Sport cover all four winter codes and cricket, basketball, netball and hockey, as well as training and outerwear, ensuring you look the part when representing your community. As Dom Rizzuto would say, look sharp and play pretty with ISC Sport. Visit their website, iscsport.com, for more information. ISC Sport, official clothing partners of Triple H 100.1 FM. Streaming on the web at www.triplehfm.com.au. Bowling is back in Hornsby. The Attic offers a 10-pin bowling experience like no other, with Australia's first ever augmented reality scoring experience that will take your game to a whole new level. With a selection of traditional and custom-built arcade games, the Attic Entertainment Precinct is complete with a bar and lounge area to keep you entertained for hours. Specialising in kids' parties and celebrations, the Attic at Hornsby RSL Club is perfect for your next special event. Whether it be an afternoon out with the kids or a night out with friends, it will be an unforgettable occasion that will bowl you and your guests over. Visit our website, theattichornsby.com.au for more information. The Attic, proud sponsors of Triple H. Welcome back to Splinters, your no-holds-barred sports podcast. Welcome back to Splinters, the bench podcast on Triple H 100.1 FM, streaming on the web at www.triplehfm.com.au and available for download on podcast.com and all good podcast sites. We do it all for Atlas Chartered Accountants, The Post, The Hornsby RSL, ISC Sports, and Business Plaza. Anthony Caruso back with you with the spicy chorizo Dom Rizzuto as we wrap up European football for 2021-22 and give a little bit of a preview for the World Cup ahead. And we're going to move on now to the Dutch Editor Divisier and... Dom, this was a genuine two-horse race all the way to the end. Yeah, absolutely. Between Ajax and PSV, Eidenhoven, in the end it was the uh, capital um, giants that uh, triumphed once again in uh, the uh, Eredivisie 
Ajax uh, coming through and uh, taking home the title. But it was a close run thing, only two points separating the two uh, giants in Dutch football. And once again, it's a league that is underrated in terms of its quality and eyes that are on the screen. It's always produces hot young talent, particularly that talent is played between the top three and Ajax, PSV, Eidenhoven and Feyenoord. Hopefully we get to see both of them in the Champions League this year. Um, if uh, PSV can uh, get through their qualification and end up in the Champions League, that'd be awesome to see um, because Dutch football is so, I don't know, there's something about Dutch football, isn't there, um, that is just so attractive and I would love to see more of these teams playing on a European stage uh, where more of, which has eyes watching it, or that have love to, for their, these teams to have a bit more success on the European stage so that more people put eyes on this league because it is always exciting. Well, it is one of the great selling competitions as well because we've seen all sorts of talent come out of the Eredivisie and we've seen you know competitions built up based on the academies of some of these clubs, which are amongst the best in the world. And the two top teams, they're just case in point of how good they are in terms of finding talent. FC Twente, AZ and Vitesse all started slowly, but they settled in and are on their way to Europe once again, along with along with um, Feyenoord. To me, I think this is a competition that's continuing to improve uh, especially after its nadir um, experience about 10 years ago where Dutch football nearly was nearly on its knees. Oh. Sorry, Andrew. Uh, at this point, I just want to point out we've actually lost Dom. He's no, I'm still here. Just oh, you're, you're still uh, here. You're cutting out really like a lot. Oh, right. No, it's still coming through here. So it's something weird's going on. Okay. Sorry, I'll pick that up again. It's a competition that fell on hard times, I guess, during the period of the the changeover of the millennium, but now has reestablished itself. And it's gone back to basics, hasn't it, Dom, with its basic focus on youth academies? Yeah, absolutely. And that's what it needs to do because it's not going to compete with the other leagues financially. So it needs to be this division that harbors the next brand of talent, which for the football purists will always go and watch because we always want to see who's going to be the next big thing, who's going to be the next player, who's going to go and win a Champions League with one of the big clubs or even one of the small clubs for that matter, if we do ever see that. Going through the teams that got relegated from the Eredivisie this year, Zuela, Wilhelm II and Heracles um, Almelo, the first two... Um, no surprise, although Willem will be very disappointed given they were his highest third from round six and then absolutely collapsed. But Heracles Almelo um, only got dropped in the last couple of rounds and then in the promotion relegation playoff got absolutely dumped by one of the teams that has now been promoted for next year. Yeah, so it was a different... Uh... And difficult season for both those two, uh, Heracles, Armello, and Willem too. Uh, PEC, Swole were pretty disappointing throughout the year, but for the two clubs above them that are going down, uh, pretty uh, disappointing uh, 
in the end. But uh, Heracles and Melo, they still had their chance to survive. But as you mentioned, absolutely decimated by Excelsior, a team that we haven't seen um, or spoken about in a very, very long time. One of the most exciting names in world football coming back to the uh, top flight in Dutch football. Oh, well, and we're not just saying that because of the obvious references towards a certain episode from South Park uh, in, yeah. in that regards. But uh, it's great to see them back in the Eredivisie and a couple of names to watch out for in this competition for next uh, for next year. Sebastian Haller and Remco Pasvia topping the golden boot and clean sheets, respectively. And then a certain... I guess I guess a Serbian um, popping up for most assists, and what a revelation he's been since he ended up in the Eredivisie. Yeah, Dusan Tadic has been fantastic since uh, joining the uh, Dutch giants. Sebastian Haller, as you mentioned before, on the uh, goals uh, list in terms of being leader. Both players, Premier League rejects, who have uh, found uh, plenty of success in in Holland and have been able to perform on the uh, Big stage as well in the Champions League. Once again, you know, we say it time and time again, just because you can't perform in the Premier League doesn't mean you can't perform anywhere else. And these two have proven that once again in Holland. We then move on to the Primera Liga in Portugal. And I guess a very familiar team finally winning the Premiership after a long wait. And they did it with some style as well. They did. And... uh once again, um, in port in so in Portugal, uh, excitement till the very last round, and they did it by uh, securing points against uh, bitter rivals Benfica, which was just uh, I suppose for their fans it completely bittersweet. And having also lost their best player during the winter window in uh, Lucas Diaz, uh, Lucas Diaz to Liverpool. Uh, really regrouped well and what and proved that uh, sometimes, you know, one player doesn't make all the difference. Going through the rest of it, it's no no surprise from the other teams up there. Braga, Gil Vicente and Vittoria de Guadamares getting into the into the top six and all off to Europe. The surprise for me was actually how well the three teams that got promoted did in terms of avoiding relegation, I think the only major competition in Europe where the teams, where all three teams that got promoted managed to stay up. Yeah, it's a huge uh, result for Estoril, Vizela and uh, Aruka, who obviously survived, <laughs> you know, aside from Estoril, who uh, played, performed uh, very, very well and finished in the top half of the table. Vizela and Aruka were... Uh, hanging on for dear life, but you know, from ten down in in Portugal, it's it's anyone's game. Um, either side is uh, pretty even with one another, and it's usually uh, chops and changes quite often. And I have no doubt that Morinesi, Morinesi, I can't even say it. Morenze, Tadela, and B and are the greatest name in football. Be sad. <laughs> I hope their fans aren't be, 
be sad oh, <laughs> about them getting really good. That is cringe. That is cringe. That was <laughs> that dad joke was so potent it got me pregnant. <laughs> Oh, deserved. Deserved. Oh, dear, oh, dear. Let's move on to some sanity. Let's move to the Scottish Premier League. And, well, Dom, it's quite clear that unlike other places in Australian sports media, you and I clearly welcome the scrutiny, don't we? Absolutely. The scrutiny has well and truly been welcomed and, once again, well and truly been defeated and it comes in the form of Ange Postacoglu, who in his first year in charge of the hoops has taken them back to the summit of the Scottish Premier League after they finally lost it out to Rangers in uh, the year prior under Steven Gerrard. But it, they didn't have to wait too long to come back to the top of the table it, with a manager that I can guarantee you no one in Scotland at the time was giving them any kind of hope but to fire the odds once again, brought in a new style of play, brought in players that wouldn't usually be brought into Scotland um, based on this, you know, where they where they played previously, and they've been a revelation. And Celtic, uh, in the end, look, it was won by only four points, but Celtic probably had uh, a couple of uh, poor results uh, in the end, which made it a bit closer than what it was. They really were the dominant team in Scotland this year, and that was thanks to the Aussie coach. Absolutely. I mean, he's now become so loved that they tried their darndest to find a chant that would work, and I think they'll be singing last Christmas uh, throughout the, the summer break. Uh, it has to be said, going through it, Hearts finished a very lonely third place, but it should be mentioned as well, probably their best finish in the Scottish Premier League in some years. Yeah, uh, Hearts uh, always sort of have an off and on season, don't they? Hearts of uh, Middle Athean. Um back into the Europa League spots, uh, which is good to see, uh, beating out uh, Dundee United and uh, Motherwell. Uh, Dundee and uh, St. Johnstone, the team's uh, going out of uh, the the division uh, one in Scotland, but obviously all the talk around Celtic and being back in the Champions League once again. No, uh, the Golden Boot, a tie between Georgios Giacomakis for Celtic and Regan Charles Cook from Ross County with 13 goals each. James Tavernera getting the assist with 13 and a name that no one would have expected to top a clean sheet chart if ever I have seen one, Dom, this is probably the biggest shock to come out of the Scottish Premier League. Yeah, I know. Joe Hart back to his best um, in a Celtic jersey, um, you know, in the back end of his career now, you'd say. And, you know, he got a lot of stick when he was England's number one Joe Hart, but he was very, very good for a very long time. And, you know, he, he eventually, I think, just... Uh, <laughs> got dropped from that top spot and just couldn't, I think, ever come to terms with the fact that he probably wasn't the best keeper that England had to offer after a while and uh, maybe just couldn't quite find himself. And the move up north has done him wonders. And I can tell you now there'll be a few Premier League clubs who, 
you know, who may be having challenges next season, who may look his way potentially if uh, their goalkeeping woes uh, do kick in. So keep an eye on it. Joe Hart, once again, congratulations to him. He's reimagined uh, or redefined his career and has claimed another title. Can't uh, say that uh, you've won a Scottish Premier League title and a Premier League title um, as a goalkeeper. So well done to him. Absolutely. Now let's move on to the competition whom you I have described as probably being the hardest in the world. No, we're not talking about the Premier League. We're talking about the <laughs> EFL Championship. Yeah, I know. It's uh, uh, one of the most stressful leagues to uh, to watch and to be a part of, especially if you're one of the good teams vying for that Premier League promotion. And I can tell you this from experience, having watched my beloved Aston Villa have to uh, battle their way through the swamp to get back up to the big time. In the end, it was uh, everybody's favourite yo-yo club, Fulham, who uh, finished on top and uh, went back into the uh, Premier League again. Bournemouth bouncing straight back up again, which is good to see. It's amazing that a club of such a small size continues to be so successful uh, in the world of football. And joining them as the third team, winning the uh, incredible uh, playoff match. Uh, six, what was, is it? The six, sixty-four million pound game, is it? Exactly, like something like that. The hundred million dollar game, whatever it's called, and uh, a hugely good feel-good story. Nottingham Forest back in the Premier League for the first time in twenty-three years. Now, I'm all for these fairy tales to happen. Were Huddersfield rob, robbed on the day? Absolutely. You couldn't not be more robbed. Uh, than they were. And it was. I'm very glad that uh, I think it was either John Mosh or Mike Dean who was refereeing, who are now retiring, um, who missed two, and VAR as well, missed two blatant penalties uh, that should have gone their way. Uh, but it has, of course, uh, allowed the uh, fairy tale to happen and allowed Nottingham Forest to come back to the Premier League. I was actually going for the other fairy tale in Luton Town, We'll hopefully see them back up in and around the uh, mix uh, next season. But uh, huge result uh, for the uh, for Nottingham Forest. Uh, um, you know, and they, Steve Cooper did a marvellous job when they were sitting in last place in September in 2021 to get them into the Premier League. It's truly sensational. I think it might have been Mike Dean who's actually retired and quite, quite honestly... I, I'm I'm so glad to see the back of him um, now <laughs> going going out of going out of the competition. It was a, it was a great story. A couple of great stories there. You mentioned them absolutely. Nottingham Forest and Luton Town getting themselves into the promotion. Nottingham Forest eventually going through, but then it makes for very harsh readings down at the bottom. Um, Barnsley and Peterborough United. Absolutely no one surprised that those two clubs were being relegated, but the. Big controversy coming out of the competition this year. The treatment of Derby County. Yeah, and looking at their points total, knowing that they got deducted the 21 points for the financial fair play rules was quite something. They would have been well and truly uh, in safety uh, with the with the 21 points um, up at around 15th place, 16th place. Wayne Rooney, an absolute legend, is staying on at the club. 
going to try and get them back up to where they want to be. It's amazing that a club like Derby has been punished so hard, yet Manchester City, who actually breaks the rules on continuous counts, is never punished whatsoever. And even if they are, it's a slap on the wrist, and then everyone forgets about it. It's been truly shocking. Hopefully they can find the right owner. Praying that it's not Mike Ashley who goes in there. Um, He's only going to be a stopgap to the club's success. But potentially that's what they need. If they can keep the team on the ground and keep Wayne Rooney there, I think they'll come back into the championship in a year's time. But yeah, it's been it's been pretty poor uh, seeing them just crumble as they have in the last uh, year. So they the points that they receive, the deductions they receive, just to confirm to everyone there, um, first off, they were given a 12-point deduction for entering administration. They then got given a further nine points for the financial irregularities re- relative to the financial fair play that you were discussing. But either way, then, the, the biggest worry I've got now is that Derby, Derby County, correct me if I'm wrong, because they got relegated with the 12 points for entering administration, do they have to carry those 12 points for next season as well? Uh, I wouldn't know. I wouldn't know. Hopefully not. Hopefully they'll drop those 12 points. I oh, I certainly hope so because otherwise you know you could see them missing out on promotion promotion back up um, back up as well. It has to be said as well. Both Reading and Birmingham City could consider themselves to be very lucky as a result because Reading themselves received a six point deduction for breach of financial fair play. So and both them and Birmingham both them and Birmingham saved by what happened to um da- to Derby County. Most assists in the competition going to Harry Wilson with 19 assists. The clean, the golden gloves for most clean sheets. One to watch would be Mark Travers from Bournemouth, 20 clean sheets. But most goals for the season, he's done it again. And you know what's scary, Dom? He's only 27. <laughs> I mean, he looks 73. Like, uh, I still don't know uh, how he can be so good in the championship. But so poor in the Premier League. He has all the all the formulas to be good in the Premier League, and he just isn't. And it just is crazy. Perhaps though, this will be the year that he finally turns those forty three goals into twenty goals in the Premier League, and actually keeps Fulham in the Premier League for a season. Alexander Mitrovic will, of course, play a very key role in that Serbian national team. Uh, later on, a, a very key part of the Fulham landscape. And it has to be remembered, you know, once upon a time when he was at Newcastle, he was killing it there as well. Yes, he was. Um, and I, again, I have no answers as to why it's uh, not the same <laughs> uh, year in and year out. We then move on to the three main European club competitions. We're going to start off with the Europa Conference League I think Dom, you know, this is it's only been in the last few years this competition's been now been going and, and to be honest, I think it's a bit of a Mickey Mouse competition. How dare you, Caruso? Oh How dare you? You're only saying that because Roma won it this uh, year. I did no no, 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 no. I would I would never say such things. I have always complimented every division of football as of importance and I take this with great offence that you have called the mighty mighty Europa League conference competition 
a Mickey Mouse competition. <laughs> Have you know one of the greatest club in Italy ran away with the title <laughs> this year, their first European title in their history. Hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on a second. Ran away with the title. You're one from a 30-second minute own goal. No, that's not true. That's not true at all. In we the final? Win. No, it wasn't an own goal. It was an own goal. No, oh, sorry, it no, it wasn't. No, it wasn't. No, it wasn't. How, again, th- this is insulting beyond belief. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think you've... I don't see Juventus win any titles this year. Where's your trophies? Uh, exactly right. I that kept it quiet, didn't it? A glorious triumph for the Romans in the greatest European competition on the market currently. And we and one that I will treasure for a lifetime. A huge result over a big Dutch team in Feyenoord. One nil. And, and they did it, it. They did it in. Uh, I guess to a certain extent with some style because they beat. They easily accounted for Vitesse two one. By by and large, should have been more goals, but be that as it may, we saw the full extent when they beat Bota Glimit from Norway. But then the lot the the setup against Leicester City, they really had to do it the hard way against the Foxes. Yeah, they did have to do it the hard way, but um, the, the all important away goal in. Uh the UK at the time was uh, the difference in the end uh, and they managed to get the results. And, you know, this competition just, uh, I think, just was built for Jose Mourinho and his style of football. Did Roma win it in particularly convincing fashion? No. And they probably, sh- you look at the teams in and amongst this uh, list that made the round of 16, there's only two teams that you think should have won it. Oh, wait, maybe let's, you know, take away, let's say three teams that should have won it, four teams. All four of those teams made it to the semifinals. And then realistically, Roma was probably, aside from Marseille and Leicester, the best of those three teams. Um, And they went on and won it. And they won it just playing football that no other manager knows how to to do. And in Jose Mourinho way, he won another title. That's his, you know, fifth I believe, uh, final win in European finals. Yeah. Has now won the Champions League twice, the Europa League and the Europa Conference League. Um, Meaning he's won all of them. He's the first manager to do that. So simply incredible uh, (laughs) that once again, he's uh, managed to do it for for Roma. Yeah, and look, jokes aside, it's not the biggest competition, but it's guaranteed Roma's uh, position back in the Europa League. And, you know, trophies are trophies, right? And if you win uh, win more and more, you'll sign some decent players. And I think that's Roma's uh, challenge at the moment, is trying to uh, sign some decent quality and keep the quality in the team as well for a few seasons so they can eventually party with the big boys uh, at the top end of the Serie A. And uh, it has to be said, a brilliant performance by your recently signed goalkeeper in Rui Patrizio, who made the uh, team of the competition this year. Yeah, and he was also the man of the match on the day as well against uh, Feyenoord in the final, where Roma were on top, got the early goal, and then went full Mourinho and just defended for the remaining 70 minutes of the game. 
and he pulled off some marvellous saves to keep Roma in front for uh, the rest of the match and was a big signing for the club in general after um, some ill decisions at uh, the transfer table in terms of picking up a goalkeeper um, after losing Allison all those years ago. They couldn't quite find the replacement, but they found it in Rui Patricio this year and he's just done wonders for the club at the back. We then move on to the Europa League itself and the final after a lot of um, a lot of strong battles and quite a good lineup of teams going through ended up eventually being um, Rangers versus Antracht Frankfurt. Uh, Rangers certainly going through beating RB Leipzig who probably had one of the easiest runs through with Spart given the walkover against Spartak Moscow after they were kicked out of the competition, and then an easy win over Atalanta. But Rangers were impervious in their game against them. Untracked Frankfurt had to do it the hard way. They beat Barcelona. They also beat Real Batiste before coming up against what was at the time considered a white-hot West Ham United. Yeah, they did an excellent job. That was obviously the big piece, I think, for them was uh, getting over West Ham, uh, who, as you mentioned, were in excellent form uh, throughout this uh, season in the Premier League and were probably the most fancy team um, alongside Sevilla, who they beat, and Barcelona, um, who then obviously lost to Eintracht Frankfurt as well. Uh, Some interesting results uh, right across the board. Um, in this division. And yeah, uh, when you look at all the teams that were left, definitely the most unlikable, not so unlikable, excuse me, the unlikely teams made it through to the final in Rangers and Eintracht Frankfurt. And then obviously only penalties could decide it. So uh, a good result for um, uh, the uh, German-based club and uh, keeps them, uh, in, puts them into the Champions League, which they haven't been in in quite some time. James Tavernier, um, keeping up his form from the Scottish Premier League, picking up seven goals in the Europa League. But Eintracht Frankfurt, uh, absolutely brilliant. Philippe Kostic with six assists and Kevin Trapp uh, picking up the goalkeeper of the year. We then move on to the big one, the Champions League. And really, it's another missed opportunity for Liverpool to take it out. As we mentioned at the top of the show, Real Madrid winning the Champions League over Liverpool and another success once again. And what an incredible way in which they won the Champions League as well, uh, Real Madrid. And you know, I know Liverpool it was a missed opportunity for them. It was a missed opportunity for Manchester City. It was a missed opportunity for Chelsea to go back-to-back. Um, quite sensational the way that they did it, uh, Real Madrid, beating... Paris Saint-Germain, 3-1. Uh, sorry, oh, I'm sorry, 3-2 on aggregate, you know, 1-0 and then 3-1 in that second leg in Madrid. I mean, they saved all their best uh, performances for the games in, at the Bernabeu that, where they just had something else about them you know, which got them over the line each every time. They had an incredible blockbuster against Chelsea where they were down 3-1 in the first leg and then won 3-2 after... Um, in the full 90 minutes and an extra time. Then they went on to t- had a 5-6 aggregate scoreline against uh, Manchester City. Uh, simply uh, incredible, you know. 
uh, on the way, and then they beat uh, um, Liverpool uh, in pretty dull fashion, one might say, in the final, the one goal just past the hour mark to Vincenzo's junior. And as I mentioned in the uh, um, show the week before on the bench that the uh, match would be decided on whether or not Trent Alexander-Arnold would be able to keep him at bay for the full 90 minutes, and he didn't. In the end, he slipped off at the key moment and allowed the uh, Brazilian to score, and it was the difference, and they run away with their 14th European ground. I'm sorry, what did you just say? A Liverpool player slipping over to prevent them <laughs> from winning the title? Where have I heard that before? So, um, the, But we should mention in that Karim Benzema picking up 15 goals, Bruno Fernandes for Manchester United, the surprise was seven assists. But for my mind, the, the man of the match of that final and indeed the goalkeeper of the year, take a bow, Thibaut Courtois. Yeah, incredible. Um, once uh, again in um, the Champions League and uh, a goalkeeper who, for some reason, believes that he didn't get enough respect when he was at uh, Chelsea, which is strange because I don't remember him ever being criticised by anyone for not being a world talent. Um, perhaps in a, in a difficult year, he may have been ousted, but uh, always was one of the world best. There was no doubt about that. And, Proved that once uh, in Madrid this season and, and took him to a to a double. Uh, and his performances in the final were sensational. There was no doubt that on the day, Liverpool were the better team. They just couldn't get past him. Well, with that, Dom, we have just about come to full time here. Uh, European football season has now all but wrapped up with a couple of minor games to come. All eyes will now be on what happens during the summer transfer and then coming into the season, of course, we will be doing our World Cup previews a little bit later on. And it, and it should be mentioned straight off the bat, Dom, that this is going to be a World Cup and a European season unlike any other, as it will be the first time the World Cup is played during the European season. Yeah, it's uh, it's going to be a weird year for football. Uh, whether you like it or not, it's going to be happening. And I'm excited to see what it's going to bring. Well, let's see what happens indeed. Ladies and gentlemen, this is a full time here on Splinters of the Bench podcast. I thank my fellow presenter, Dom Rizzuto. Of course, you'll be back to join us to talk about the A-League season that was. Looking forward to it, Bull. This is full time here on Splinters, the Bench podcast on Triple H 100.1 FM, streaming on the web at www.triplehfm.com.au and available for download at podcast.com, Apple Store, YouTube Music, Spotify, iHeart, TuneIn, and all good podcast sites. We do it all for Atlas Chartered Accountants, The Post, The Hornsby RSL, ISC Sports, and Business Plaza. On behalf of Dom Rizzuto, I'm Anthony Caruso. Run hard or run home. Good night. Thank you for joining us for Splinters, your no-holds-barred sports podcast. You can also find us streaming on the web at www.triplehfm.com.au and available for download at podcasts.com and all good podcast and streaming sites.